If you've been waiting, you can't make your mind up about buying the 10 DVD set Old Time Radio, now's the time. They'll be discontinued as of December 31st. Go to the oldtimeradiodvd.com today and place your order. Prices will never be any lower for this great set of Old Time Radio. Oldtimeradiodvd.com Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another edition of The Crystal Set. Say this is John Broyles. Two of your detective tapes. Just excited about playing some of your detective favorites. Got a couple of good ones for you this time. Going to start things off with an episode of The Big Story, Dorothy Kilgallen's story of the Bobby Soxer from Bayonne. And then we'll have an episode of Boston Blackie for you. Now, these first two shows have something in common. This particular episode of The Big Story... And Boston Blackie have something in common. What is it? Little trivia question for you. We'll give you the answer in just about an hour or so. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy your detective tapes. This episode of The Big Story, I don't have a particular date on this one. However, it is, as I say, the story of the Bobby Soxer from Bayonne. The Big Story, sponsored by Pell-Mell, incidentally, the cigarette commercials, contained in the big story are left intact for their nostalgic and entertainment purposes only as part of the original broadcast. They do not uh, reflect any kind of endorsement or encouragement of the product or the habit. just want to make that perfectly clear. They're only left in as part of the original broadcast because we like to present the shows as close as possible, possible to the way they were originally done way back when. So without any further ado, let's jump right into this episode of the big story and enjoy it. Pell-Mell Famous Cigarettes presents The Big Story. Look, for the last time, Janet, did you murder your mother? No, Lieutenant Morgan, I didn't. Then who did? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Is that all you can say? I don't know. Oh, beats me. I never did meet a stubborn kid like you before. Oh, well, I might as well send in the police matron. Oh, Lieutenant Morgan. Yeah? Will you ask the matron to bring in some needle and thread? Uh, Needle and thread? Yeah, I've got a hole in one of my bobby socks and it looks like the dickens. The Big Story. Another in a thrilling series based on true experiences of newspaper reporters. Tonight, to Dorothy Kilgallen of the New York Journal-American, goes the Pell-Mell Award for the big story. Four notes that are alike. And one that is outstanding. And of America's leading cigarettes, one is outstanding. The cigarette in the distinguished red package, Pell-Mell. Ladies and gentlemen, have you noticed how many of your friends have changed to Pell-Mell? There's a reason. 
Pell-Mell famous cigarettes. Good to look at. Good to feel. Good to taste. And good to smoke. Yes, Pell-Mells are good to look at, good to feel, good to taste, and good to smoke. For Pell-Mell's greater length filters the smoke naturally through the much greater distance of Pell-Mell's traditionally fine, mellow tobaccos, giving you a smoother, mellower, more satisfying smoke. Four notes that are alike, and one that is outstanding. And of America's leading cigarettes, one is outstanding. Pell-Mell famous cigarettes. Outstanding. And they are mild. Now the strange and authentic story... Of the Bobby Sox Kid from Bayonne. You are Dorothy Kilgallen, covering the police beat for the New York Evening Journal before he became the Journal American, and before you became a big byline with a Broadway column. It's one of those sticky and sultry July evenings, just about midnight, when you finally get back to the office from Jersey. You're so tired, you see spots before your eyes, and so hot, your clothes stick damply to your skin. You make a beeline for the water cooler, and there you run into the night editor. Hey, 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 Dorothy, go easy on that ice water. Want to get a chill? I'll take that chill, Al, just as long as it's good and cold. What a session I just had in Jersey City. You sure look all in. Mm, I am. Two days and two nights without sleep. Waiting in a sizzling hot room for a jury to make up its mind. Al, it was awful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bet it was. Uh, Look, Dorothy. Now, I've just got one big ambition in life. I'm going home and stand under a cold shower for about an hour and then fall into bed. Um, Dorothy, I hate to be a killjoy, but I've got to send you out on another assignment. You mean now? Right away, to Bayonne, oh. New Jersey. Just got a flash that a woman was murdered out there. And the cops think the woman's daughter and a boyfriend did the job. They're grilling the kids at headquarters now. I'll go out there and see what you can pick up. It's all yours. Mrs. Graham murdered Sergeant Gillis. With a hatchet, Miss Kilgallen. Oh, but that sounds like the work of a maniac. You mean you suspect a couple of kids? Yeah, I know. It doesn't seem possible. Especially kids like these. Where's Mrs. Graham's daughter now? She's with Lieutenant Morgan in that room over there. Mm. He's been grilling her for hours. But she won't talk. Neither will her boyfriend. Mm. Where'd you pick up the kids, Sergeant? In a beer joint near the Somerville Circle. Oh, here comes Morgan now. Any luck, Lieutenant? Oh, no. The more questions I ask her, the tighter she clams up. You know, I've had some tough crooks on the grill, but this kid beats them all. Uh, Oh, hello, Miss Kilgallen. Hello, Lieutenant. Got anything I can use for a story? Oh, not a thing, Miss Kilgallen. And that's the truth. Frankly, we're pretty well up against a stone wall. Now, what can you do when a cute-looking 17-year-old kid just just sits there and swings her legs and looks at you with a sweet face and says, I don't know. She won't say anything? I've tried everything. Talk to her like a Dutch uncle, like a father, like a a cop, like a mug even. 
Well, it's no go. I don't know, she says. Just like that. I don't know. Lieutenant Morgan. Yeah. Mind if I go into that room and talk to Janet Graham alone? Now, what good will that do? I don't know that it'll do any good. But I just might come up with something, you know, just between us girls. How about it? Now, look, Miss Kilgallen, all the other reporters are going home. Why don't you go, too? She won't crack, believe me. I know all the tricks, and I've used them all. She just won't crack. Would you let me talk to her? Oh, it's too hot to argue. Oh, go ahead, go ahead. But believe me, you're wasting your time. We've had our best men working on that kid, and she just won't talk. Hi, Janet. Who are you? My name's Dorothy Kilgallen. I'm a reporter. A reporter? Honest? Honest. I thought I'd just drop in for a chat. Oh. Well, you're not going to find anything out from me. I don't know anything. Oh, maybe you don't, but I do. You do? What? You look like a sight. Your hair's every which way, and your nose is shiny. Well, gosh, Miss Kilgallen, what can I do? I, I left my compact in Charlie's jalopy when they picked us up. Well, he wouldn't like you the way you look now. Gee, is it that bad? Here, take my compact. Oh, thanks, Miss Kilgallen. Gee, this is just super. Is it real gold? Yes. Yeah. I've got one in silver, shaped like a heart, and it's got initials on it. C.M. C.M., who's that? Charlie Mason. He gave it to me for my birthday. He's my boyfriend. We've been going steady for a year. Is he nice? Oh, he's just super, Miss Kilgallen. Tell me about him. Gee, you really want me to? Of course. Well, he's star athlete at Bayonne High, and he's a whiz at tennis. Beats me six love every time, and I'm supposed to be pretty good for a girl. Oh, here's your compact back. Oh, thanks. Feel better? Oh, yes, lots. You use the same color powder I do. <sighs> Dad, I suppose you and Charlie, you know that you're in a mess trouble. Yeah, I... I guess we are. Why don't you tell them what they want to know? I won't. I won't tell them a thing. I hate them. Then maybe you'd tell me. You? Yes. You know, it's different when you tell everything to a woman. A woman sort of understands. Well, gee, you're nice, Miss Kilgallen, but... But what, Janet? You love Charlie, don't you? You know that? Of course. Why shouldn't you? Golly. You do understand, don't you? Yes, I think so. That's the trouble with them. The police, I mean. They don't know how it was with Charlie and me. Mother didn't either. She... She what, Janet? Nothing. All right, if you don't want to tell me anything, Janet, I guess I'll have to go. Oh, no, I... Please stay. Then what about your mother? She hated Charlie. She wouldn't even let him come into the house. Did she know you loved him? I kept telling her that. Honest, Miss Kilgallen, I kept telling her. That's why we argued. Argued about what? It was this afternoon. Mother wanted me to do some work around the house, but I skipped out to meet Charlie. Where'd you meet him, Janet? The church. Mm-hmm. He's in the choir, you know, and they were having choir practice. The door was open, and I went in. Charlie was singing a solo, and I listened. It was wonderful, Miss Kilgallen. Listening to Charlie was 
Well, it was like going to heaven. I was just thrilled. I wanted to reach up and touch him, but I didn't. I just sat there and listened. Charlie outside the church. We had a tennis date at six o'clock, but before that I had to go to the delicatessen and buy some cold cuts for supper. On the way to the delicatessen, I, I kind of took Charlie's hand and held it. Just holding his hand like that thrilled me, but... Oh, Charlie... Oh, you know how boys are, Miss Kilgallen. He, he was kind of bashful. Jen. Yes, Charlie? Quit holding my hand. Everybody on the street's looking at us. Don't you love me? Sure, I do, Cookie. You know that, but... How about coming to my house for supper tonight? Gee, I I can't do that, Janet. What would your mother say? I don't care what mother says. She's not going to boss me around anymore. We'll just tell her we're in love and that we're going to get married just as soon as you can get a job singing on the radio. Well, I don't know. Don't you love me, Charlie? Sure, Cookie. I told you I did. Well, then we don't have to be afraid of mother or anyone else. Oh, here's the delicatessen. Well, good afternoon, Janet. Hello, Mr. Schmidt. And what'll it be today? Um, I'll have a quarter of a pound of ham. Ham? Quarter of a pound of liverwurst. Liverwurst? Uh, 20 cents worth of potato salad. Potato salad? And, uh, oh, oh, Mr. Schmidt. Yeah? Uh, Mother will kill me for this, but I don't care. I want a jar of mayonnaise. Mayonnaise? Yeah, I'm just wacky about mayonnaise. And this time, I don't give a darn what my mother says. So you left the delicatessen store and went right home. Is that it, Janet? Well, no, not exactly, Miss Kilgallen. You know how hot it was today? Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, Charlie and I stopped in a tavern, and we had two glasses of beer each and some pretzels. Beer was super at being so hot outside and all. After that, we went to my house. <laughs> Funny how I felt then. How did you feel? Well, it... <laughs> Gee, I... I don't know why I'm telling you all this. How did you feel, Janet? Well, it was so hot, and I was kind of dizzy and thrilled because Charlie was going with me and we were going to stand up to Mother. You know, Miss Kilgallen, how it is when you're all thrilled and excited. Oh, sure, I know. Well, what happened when you got home? Well, Mother was out. I see. What did you and Charlie do then? Oh... Charlie read a magazine, and I... I kind of did a little housework. Janet. Yes, Miss Kilgallen? You're not telling me the truth. What's the use of talking to me if you don't tell me the truth? Now, what really happened when you and Charlie came home and found that your mother was out? Don't be afraid, Janet. I'll understand. But you've got to tell me the truth. All right. All right, I will. We were... Both a little dizzy, I guess. You know, we, we kept saying things to each other. Then all of a sudden I felt like dancing, so I put on a record of our song. Your song? Yes, Temptation. It's my favorite, and Charlie's, too. We, well, we, we call it our song. Anyway, I felt like dancing, so I put the record on the Victrola. And then... Oh, 
Charlie. Yeah? Let's dance. Dance? Yes. Take me in your arms, Charlie. But what if your mother comes in and sees it? I don't care. Do you? No. No, I guess not. in just a moment with tonight's big story, but first a word from Cy Harris. Ladies and gentlemen, have you noticed how many of your friends have changed to Pell-Mell? Four notes that are alike and one that is outstanding. And of America's leading cigarettes, one is outstanding. Pell-Mell famous cigarettes. Good to look at. Good to feel. Good to taste. And good to smoke. Yes, Pell-Mells are good, 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 and good. Good to look at, good to feel, good to taste, and good to smoke. For Pell-Mells greater length filters the smoke naturally through the much greater distance of Pell-Mells, traditionally fine, mellow tobaccos, giving you a smoother, mellower, more satisfying smoke. notes that are alike, and one that is outstanding. And of America's leading cigarettes, one is outstanding. Pell-Mell famous cigarettes, outstanding. And they are mild. Now we return you to our narrator, Barry Kroger, and tonight's big story. Bobby Sock's kid from Bayonne keeps talking there in that sweltering, dingy police room. The words spill from her faster and faster. You can see that she wants to talk now. She's glad to get it off her chest. It's been simmering and boiling inside. Finally, she stops to catch her breath. And you ask her... Now, when your mother walked into the parlor and found you and Charlie there, what did she say, Janet? Mother just stood there, Miss Kilgallen. She stood there looking as though she'd like to kill the both of us. And the Victrola kept on playing Temptation. I, I don't remember who spoke first. I think it was Charlie. Miss Graham, I... Turn off the Victrola, Jonathan. Mother, mother, we were just... I said turn off the Victrola. Yes, Mother. Now, Janet, go into the kitchen. I want to talk to you alone. But, Mrs. Graham, she didn't do anything. I'll thank you to keep still. You just sit right here. I'll have something to say to you later. Janet, you march right into the kitchen. And what happened after you got into the kitchen, Janet? Janet, what happened? Well, Miss Kilgallen, Mother didn't say anything for a long time. She just started to get the dishes out for supper. 
I was nervous and scared. Well, there was the heat, too. It was so hot, it, it did funny things to me. I thought maybe if I did something, something with my hands, instead of just standing there waiting for Mother to say something, it'd be better. I, I could think better. And then I saw the hatchet on the windowsill. What was the hatchet doing there? I'd brought it up from the cellar. Why did you bring it up? Because Mother had asked me to nail down some loose linoleum on the kitchen floor. So I got some tacks and started to hammer it down. And then, then Mother started to talk. I don't know. I just don't know. What did I ever do to deserve a daughter like you? A common, cheap little flirt. Mother, don't say things like that. All Charlie did was kiss me. I don't want to hear another word from you, Janet Graham. Not another single solitary word. When your father comes home, I'll see that he takes the strap to you, you little good-for-nothing. Mother, please, I... Seventeen years old, a baby, and sitting on the couch hugging and kissing a nasty boy like Charlie Mason. I'm no baby, do you hear, Mother? I'm seventeen, I'm grown up, and I love Charlie Mason. Ha! You, what do you know about love? You're just boy crazy, that's all, boy crazy. Mother, don't, don't say things like that. Boy crazy, boy crazy, boy crazy. Please, Mother, don't. I forbid you to ever see him again. I positively forbid you to see him again. Do you hear me, Janet? You're not to see him again. You can't stop me. You can't stop me. I'll see Charlie all I please. I love him. I love him. I love him. Don't you dare talk back to me. Don't you dare. Mother, please, let's not quarrel anymore. It's so hot, and I've got such a terrible headache, and I, I'm so mixed up. I warn you, Janet. If I ever catch that awful boy around here again, I'll have your father horse with him. don't say things like that. Please, stop. I don't like him, and I never did. He's no good, and he'll never be any good. Mother, stop! Don't you yell at me, you young good for nothing. No, stop, stop, How dare you talk back to your own mother like that? How dare you? I... Uh... Janet. I asked you to stop. I asked you to stop nagging. Janet, I... Janet, put down that hatchet. Put down that... Charlie! You're not going to stand between Charlie and me. You're not going to. Is she, Charlie? Janet, don't. Charlie, no! Get away from me! Mother then, Miss Gilgallan. She screamed and fell down. That's all. I... I see. What did you do then, Janet? Well, then we thought we'd better talk things over. You and Charlie? Yes. Charlie's jalopy was outside, and we decided we'd better drive to Canada because they'd be looking for us pretty soon. We didn't have much money, so we started to make up sandwiches in the kitchen for our trip. And then all of a sudden, the doorbell rang. Janet... Janet, someone's at the front door. You keep making up those chicken and ham sandwiches here in the kitchen, Charlie. I'll see who it is. All right. Gee, I, I hope it isn't the police or someone. Oh, Janet. Janet's anything wrong? Wrong? I know, Mrs. Wallace. What makes you think so? Well, I was sitting on the front porch next door, and I thought I heard your mother scream. Oh, oh, that. Well, Mother just cut her finger. That's all, Mrs. Wallace. Oh, for a moment, I thought that nothing serious, is it, Janet? Oh, no, Mrs. Wallace. Just a nick. Nothing to worry about. Oh, thank heaven for that. That scream certainly gave me a fright. 
Well, I'll be getting back, Janet. Well, uh, thanks for looking in, Mrs. Wallace. Nobody. Just a neighbor. Oh, Charlie. Yeah. What? What's the matter? You forgot something. Forgot something? Yes, on those chicken sandwiches you're making. The mayonnaise. You know I just love mayonnaise. Is that all, Janet? Well, Miss Kilgallen, I guess so. Except that we started out for Canada. And you got as far as the Somerville Circle, hmm? Yes. It was awful hot driving this evening. Well, we stopped at a tavern for a couple of glasses of beer, and by that time, Charlie was pretty worried. Gosh, Janet. We're in an awful jam now. I don't care. I don't care about anything. I love you, Charlie. We... We'll never be able to make Canada. Why, all I've got is a dollar and forty cents. You're awful cute, Charlie. Awful cute. Janet, maybe we ought to give ourselves up. I love your hair, Charlie. It's so thick and nice. I always feel like running my fingers through it. Janet, we got to decide what to do. Charlie. Yeah. Play number seven on the jukebox. But look, Cookie. Play we... number seven. It's our song, Charlie. Temptation. Okay. <laughs> oh, Charlie. Our song. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it just super? Yeah. Listen, Janet. About your mother, about what we did. Oh, don't talk about that now. Now let's talk about anything now. Let's just sit here and listen and dream. Janet. Janet, the cop. He just came in. He's seen us, Janet. He's coming over to our boat. Is uh, that your dad, Coop, outside, son? Uh, yes, sir. Your name, Charlie Mason? Yes, sir. And you're Janet Graham? Yes, sir. Okay, you kids. You better come along with me. All right, officer. We'll go with you, only. Yeah? Do you mind if we wait till the music's over? And, uh, that's the whole story, Janet. Yes, Miss Gilgallan. That's all there is. Now you know everything. Funny, I, I didn't mind telling you. I knew you'd understand. You do, don't you? Yes, I understand, Janet. But now, will you tell the others what you told me? I don't want to. I know. But I think you'd better. All right, Miss Kilgallen. You say so, I'll tell them. Well... I have to go now. You can't stay with me any longer? No, no, I, I can't. Oh. Well, goodbye, Miss Kilgallen. Goodbye, Janet. <laughs> A full house beats two pair any day. <laughs> oh, hello, Miss Kilgallen. Uh, how'd you make out? Didn't get anything out of the kid, I'll bet. Yes, I did. Uh, you did? 
Hey, that really puts me in my place. All of us trying and not getting a glimmer. What's the lead? She told me everything. Everything? Are you serious? You mean you got that kid to she crack? She told me everything. Oh, who did it? She or the boy? Did she kill yes, the old lady? Yes, she did it, but it didn't have to happen. It shouldn't have happened if her mother had only shown a little more understanding. Just a little more sympathy and love. Oh, what's the use? What difference does it make now? Yeah, I know, I know. Now, now take it easy, Miss Kilgallen. You're pretty well used up. You did a big job in there, and it kind of gets you down. I guess so. Look at the exclusive you got. It's, it's a big story if there ever was one. And all due to you. Yes. It's a big story, Lieutenant. But do you want to know something? What? I wish I'd never heard of it. I wish I never had to write it. I wish it had never happened. <laughs> Just a moment, we'll read you a telegram from Dorothy Kilgallen with the final outcome of tonight's big story. <laughs> Pell Mell famous cigarette. Good to look at. Good to feel. Good to taste. And good to smoke. Yes, Pell Mells are good, 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 and good. Pell Mell famous cigarette. Good to look at. Good to feel. Good to taste. And good to smoke. Four notes that are alike, and one that is outstanding. And of America's leading cigarettes, one is outstanding. Pell Mell famous cigarettes, outstanding. And they are mild. Now we read you that telegram from Dorothy Kilgallen of the New York Journal American. Boy and girl in tonight's big story were found guilty of murder but received relatively light sentences on account of their youth. Boy was later paroled from state prison on condition that he joined some branch of armed forces. Girl was paroled from reformatory after serving six and a half years. Many thanks for tonight's Pell-Mell Award. Thank you, Miss Kilgallen. The makers of Pell-Mell Famous Cigarettes are proud to have named you the winner of the Pell-Mell $500 Award for notable service in the field of journalism. Listen again next week, same time, same station, when Pell Mell Famous Cigarettes will present another big story. A big story from the pages of the Buffalo Evening News. Byline, Eddie DeCastro. A big story that began when a woman was told that her husband had been murdered and left. <laughs> story is produced by Bernard J. Proctor and directed by Harry Ingram with music by Vladimir Selinsky. Tonight's program was written by Max Ehrlich. Your narrator was Barry Kroger and Janet Fox play the part of Dorothy Kilgallen. All names in tonight's story except that of Miss Kilgallen were fictitious, but the dramatization was based on a true and authentic case. This is Ernest Chappell speaking for the makers of Pell Mell Famous Cigarettes. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. And there you have it, the big story and the story of the Bobby Soxer from Bayonne featuring 
Dorothy Kilgallen, or Dorothy Kilgallen's story. Great series that was. That's one of my all-time favorites, the big story. Inspired to buy the movie called North Side 777, starring James Stewart. Hope you did enjoy that. Don Pardo, I think, uh, did the system ski for NBC at the end of that. A little, uh, little bit more trivia. As I ask at the beginning of the show, what do these first two shows have in common? Well, as I say, coming up next, we have Richard Calmer as Boston Blackie, enemy to those who make him an enemy and friend to those who have no friend. We'll hear about that in just a moment. What do these two shows have in common? We'll tell you at the end of this. Mark Crane is missing is the uh, title or the storyline for this particular episode, so let's Forge ahead with this episode of Boston Blackie. Do me a favor, will you? What, Billy? I don't think I'd better ride the truck with you tonight. I'm not feeling so good. You're not, huh? No. You can drive the load through without me anyhow. Call the office and cover for me, huh? Sure, I'll cover for you, Billy. But you ain't kidding anybody. I know you're not sick. No? Uh-uh. We're traveling a dark route, and we're picking up a valuable load later on. Well, I know that, but I tell you, I don't feel so good. Don't pull that one on me. You probably got a date with the counter gal, Madge. Well, you can have off tonight just this once. I'll tell the office you were sick. I know you're not. Well, thanks, Mark. I'll do a favor for you sometime. Skip it. Maybe you are sick. And I think how some guys would like to have what I'll be toting in my truck tonight and what they might do to get it, I don't feel so good myself. And now, on to Dick Calmer as Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friends. Yes, yes. Boston Blackie. Yes? May I come in? Yes, I think you'd better. I'd rather have you cry in here than out in the hall. I, I won't cry, I promise you needn't keep that promise if you don't want to. A woman in tears means a woman in trouble. What can I do for you? My name's Linda Crane. I'm sure you don't want me to do anything about that. You have a bruise there on your cheek. What's on your mind? A bruise that's on my cheek. My husband hit me. Oh, I see. Well, I don't think... Oh, that's but... not what I came to see you about. You see, we had a fight. He left, and I haven't seen him since. Since when? Well, it's been 24 hours since he's been home. I'm worried... It's not like him not to come home after work. Where does he work? For the big green line trucking company. He's a driver. Uh-huh. And his name? Mark. Mark Crane. Well, why come to me about it? You're a private detective and I... Oh, thought... no, Mrs. Crane. I'm no detective. Just someone interested in seeing the little fellow get a square deal. 
I think you'd better take your troubles to the police. No, I can't do that. I cannot. All right. I'll tell you what. You go on home and relax. If your husband doesn't show up in another 24 hours, let me know. All right. <laughs> Good. Now, go on home and don't worry. You and your husband just had a fight, and maybe he's just afraid to come home. But look, when he does come home, don't turn the other cheek. I won't. <laughs> Good. You're feeling better already about oh, the Oh, Blackie. Oh, hiya, Mary. Come on in. This young lady was just leaving. Goodbye, Miss Crane. Goodbye, Blackie. Thank you. What did she want? And who gave her that present on her cheek? She wanted me, and the present was a gift from her husband. Mm-hmm. Isn't love wonderful? <laughs> yes. And now she's worried about him. Hasn't been home in 24 hours. Oh, what's her husband do besides giving his wife testimonials of his affection? Drives a truck for the big green line. A fellow named Mark Crane. Well, anything interesting in the paper? I don't know. I bought it without looking at it. Well, let's see who made the headlines today. Not you, Blackie. You made them last week. Here you are. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Mary, look at this. What? Look who took my place in the headlines today. Who? A driver for the big Green Line Trucking Company. And his name was Mark Crane. And you know what that means, Mary. Mrs. Crane's missing husband turned out to be a found corpse. Ooh. Who are you calling, Blackie? Calling Faraday. I laughed at Mrs. Crane for worrying about her husband, so the least I can do is help her find out who killed him. Police Department? Rons? Yeah? Let me speak to Faraday. He's not here. Been a murder and hijacking the Big Green Line Trucking Company. He's over at the Big Green Line offices. Good. I'll run right over there and give him a hand. Oh, no, you won't. Inspector's got police guards at the Big Green Line offices just so you won't get near the place. Well, thanks for telling me, Rollins. Now, you get on the phone, call Faraday, and tell him to count me in because he won't be able to keep me out. Yes, Mr. Green, it's just what it looks like. A simple case of murder in the process of hijacking one of your trucks. But will you catch the men who killed my driver, Inspector Faraday? Sure, I'll catch him. Well, does that window washer have to make all that noise? I think he's signaling us to open it. I'll wash him up. No wonder it's locked. I'll take care of it. As I was saying, Mr. Green... There, it's open now. Do you have any idea who wanted the load that tractor uh, carrying? Mind if I come in? No, wash your windows and get it over with. Maybe I ought to wash my face first. Blackie, what are you... Ah, uh, what's the use? You surrender, dear? Uh, Help me through the window, will you, Faraday? I'm not used to this sort of thing. I'd rather push you through it. What is this, anyhow? Uh, this is Boston Blackie, Mr. Green. Oh. Now he's a window washer. Quiet, Faraday. You'll wake up your brain. Here, pull me in. I'd really like to pull you in. Yeah, give me a hand. Sure. Uh, there. Thanks, Faraday. Thank you. Ah. Where were you and Mr. Green before I so politely interrupted? Why, we were just... Uh... What now? Oh, excuse me. Uh, come in. Uh, Mr. Green. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, come in, Joe. Come in. I, uh, I didn't know you had company, Mr. Green. Well, this is company. Maybe you'll want to meet Joe. Joe Baxter, Inspector Faraday of the police in Boston Black. Oh, I am. How do you do, gentlemen? Joe's my foreman and chief dispatcher. Do you have any idea who killed that driver, Joe? Well, no, I don't, Inspector. In fact, I wasn't here yesterday. She was my day off. Uh, Mr. Green, here are the route reports from yesterday. Oh, thank you, Joe. I'll be around if you need me. I'll be in my office in the garage. Good. I may want to talk to you later. I sure, Inspector. Now to get back to where we were before Joe came in. Where were we? Why, we were... Uh, don't tell him a thing, Mr. Green. It's none of his business. Oh, but it is, Faraday. The dead driver's wife came to see me a couple of hours ago. She thought her husband was missing. Uh, he was missing, all right. 
He was right out of this world. Hey, but since when do people come to you to look for missing persons? Haven't they ever heard of me? Certainly. That's one reason why they come to me. Uh, I've heard all I want to hear from you. Now, I've got to get to work and find out who hijacked that truck. Whoever did it also killed Mark Crane. Now, there is a brilliant piece of deduction. Go to the head of the class, Faraday, which is quite a distance from where you usually sit. What makes you think the truck was hijacked? Because, wise guy, when we found the truck, it was empty. Uh, Inspector, I've been trying to tell you about that. The truck Mark Crane was driving couldn't have been hijacked. It was traveling empty. What? Well, uh, Shut up, Blackie. Whatever you were going to say, don't say it. Uh, why didn't you tell me that truck was empty, Mr. Green? I've been trying to ever since you came in, Inspector Faraday, but you were too busy telling me about you. <laughs> Faraday's brain was hijacked years ago, and the loot was never recovered. I'll recover you. I'm going to uncover something on this case, uh, but not while you're around. I'll see you later, Mr. Green. Uh, fine, Inspector. Don't go away mad, Inspector. I'd rather go away the way I am than stay here and let you drive me crazy. It's not a drive, Faraday. To you, it's just a short walk. Blackie, one of these days I'll... Well, it's a good thing there's a law against it. <laughs> good old Faraday. I'm really very fond of him. Now, Mr. Green, let's get started. What can you tell me about Mark Crane, the dead driver? Uh, nothing, Blackie. He was new here. I'd never even met him. Oh, I see. Are you in the habit of letting new men take trucks out alone? Oh, he wasn't alone, Blackie. At least not when he started out. Uh, Billy Johnson was riding with him when the truck left here. Uh-huh. Well, what happened to him? I don't know. He hasn't been heard of since uh, the accident. Disappeared, huh? Well, when you do hear from him, I want to hear from you. I'll see you later, Mr. Green. All right. I hope you can find out something pretty soon. I'm a little leery about letting my trucks roll again until this thing's cleaned up. My friend Mary Wesley's in your outer office. Between the two of us, we ought to dig up something. You'll hear from me, Mr. Green. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hello, window washers. Hi, Mary. Let's get to work. My, I didn't have to wait out here as long as I thought. Well, don't be happy about it. I got out sooner than I thought I would because what I got out of Mr. Green was practically zero. Well, what Inspector Faraday got out of him must have been even less. Wow, was he angry when he went by me. When isn't he angry? Is this the way out? Nope. This is the way I came in. Uh, or is that the same thing? Don't ever try to find any difference, Mary. It'll take a lifetime. I parked the car right down this way. <laughs> Good. Did you find out anything from Mr. Green? I found out what was in the hijacked truck. What? Oh, nothing. Now, Blackie, don't be coy. What was in the truck? I told you nothing. I know that's what you told me, nothing. Now tell me what was in the truck. Nothing. Want me to spell it for you? N-O. N-O, no. But, Blackie, if there wasn't anything in the truck, then why was it held up? That is something we've got to find out. Interesting question, isn't it? It's too interesting. Well, we don't know why anyone would want to rob an empty truck, but I'll tell you something I know. What? I wasn't wasting my time while I was waiting for you. What were you doing, whittling? You mean I quit me in the dark? Oh. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I was detecting. Oh, what'd you find out? Something very interesting about that dead driver. Mr. Green's secretary told me that, although nobody was supposed to know it... Mm-hmm. The dead driver was Mr. Green's nephew. Yeah, that's a... What'd you say? It isn't what I said, darling. It's what she said. Mark Green, or Mark Crane, rather, was Mr. Green's nephew. Yeah, I heard that. I also heard Mr. Green say he didn't even know the dead driver. Now, why would he say that? In murder cases, there's a reason for almost anything, Mary, including the murder itself. 
Mary, this case is getting more interesting every minute. Well, then I did the right thing when I talked to the secretary. You sure huh? did, Mary. And you can do something else, too. The dead driver started out on his route with a writer named Billy Johnson. Johnson disappeared. Oh, my gosh, you don't expect me to find him, do you? <laughs> no, but find out all you can about him, huh? All right, I will. What are you going to do? Well, the dead man's wife was nice enough to drop in on me. I think I'll repay the visit. I've just been washing windows, so maybe she'll help me see through this case. I uh, know your husband's death must be a shock to you, Mrs. Crane, but I've got to ask you a few questions. Why, of course, Inspector Faraday. Now, first of all, you went to see Boston Blackie today. Why? I went to see Boston Blackie? Yeah. Oh, Inspector, you must be mistaken. You, you didn't go to see Boston Blackie? Uh, no. Well, I'll be... I'll get it, Mrs. Crane. Oh, thank you. Look, if you're... Blackie, what are you doing here? I'd ask the same thing of you, only I know the answer. Oh, you do, do you? Sure. One of the things you're doing is checking to make sure my story about Mrs. Crane coming to see me is true. That's right. And you were lying, Blackie. She didn't come to see you. What? Mrs. Crane, how can you say that? Now, I'll tell you how she can say it. Like this. I didn't go to see Blackie. But that's not true. Why do you lie to him, Mrs. Crane? I don't know. Uh, don't you're... answer, Mrs. Crane. You don't have to. I'm leaving, Blackie. You're leaving with me. Oh, no, not yet. I'm not. Come on, come on. Mrs. Crane doesn't want to be bothered. If she doesn't like my being here, she can call a cop. You can tell her where to find one, can't you, Faraday? Blackie, one of these days I'm going to... Oh, no, no. You won't, Faraday. Remember, there's the law against it. You said so yourself. Uh... Well, now what's this all about? Why did you tell him you didn't come up to see me today? Why? Because I never did go to see you. Oh, now, wait a minute. You wait. A minute, an hour, as long as you like. So far as I'm concerned, Blackie, I've never even seen you before in my life. And now, back to Boston Blackie. Mark Crane, truck driver, is found shot to death on a lonely road. Obviously, his murder is the work of hijackers. But it is later learned the truck was traveling empty. Also, Billy Johnson, the dead man's rider, has been missing since the murder. And to add to the mystery, Linda, the dead man's wife, who came to Blackie to report her husband missing, later denies she's ever seen Blackie before. As we return to our story, Blackie telephones Mary Wesley, who has been trying to find out something about the missing Billy Johnson. Hello? Hello, Mary. This is Blackie. You got back to your apartment at last, huh? Yes, I got in. Good. Find out anything? Sure did. Billy Johnson has a sweetheart named Madge. She's a waitress at the rest of while at the roadside restaurant on Highway 19. Well, in that case, I know I can find out if Billy Johnson was on that truck when it was held up. I think I'll go out to the rest a while and see his sweetheart. All right, Blackie, but remember, she's his sweetheart. <laughs> I know, so you better come with me. Why? Don't tell me you're afraid to be alone with Billy Johnson's girlfriend. No, but if that truck driver caught me alone with his sweetheart, I wouldn't want to be alone with him. <laughs> Yours. Your name Madge? Yeah, what's it to you? Oh, nothing. You're Billy Johnson's girl, aren't you? Yeah, how'd you know? I'm a friend of Billy. Yeah? Uh, 
Well, he never told me he had a pal who drives a swell car. Oh, that thing parked out there, I borrowed it from a friend. Yeah? And the dame in it. I suppose you borrowed her, too. <laughs> For a while. She comes with a car, the Luke's equipment. <laughs> One of Billy's pals, all right. All Billy's pals tell bum jokes. Well, we can't all be good. <laughs> uh, look, I gotta find Billy. He used to tell me you always knew where he was. He told you that, huh? Okay. He's living at Hyla's Cabin, shack number six. He's just down the road here, a couple of miles. He's using the name of Ralph Rogers. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Okay. Well, uh, so long. You're leaving? Yes, but uh, I'll be seeing you again. Make it soon, will you? I didn't know Billy had such a good-looking friend. And I didn't know Billy had a girl with such good taste. <laughs> See ya. Uh, you do. Let's go, Mary. I got what I wanted. I saw that girl you were talking to. What did you get? Information or a date? <laughs> Neither. An address. <sighs> and not hers, Billy Johnson's. Good. Where to, Master? Hyla's cabins. And when we talk to Mr. Billy Johnson, then what? We'll find out two things, I hope. Why someone would hijack an empty truck, and how it was that Billy wasn't killed, too. The place we're going to is just a few miles. Uh, here we are, Mary. Shack six. You want me to wait out here? Might as well. All right. <clears throat> you drove me so close to this door, and you can sit right here and still satisfy those nosy ears of yours. Nosy ears? What a picture. Say, this place of Johnson's, what a dive. Mm-hmm. The second thought is too small for a dive. More like a dip. No answer? No answer. So maybe nobody's home. So maybe the door's open. So maybe you're right. Well, nobody home? Did you say no body, Mary? You should have said a body. A body? Yes, and definitely a dead one. Well, I wanted to know why Billy wasn't killed. Now I want to know why he was. Say, Mr. Green, since that hijacking yesterday, I'm having a lot of trouble getting a driver to make the night run. I can imagine so, Joe. But we've got to get the truck. Oh, come in. Hello, Mr. Green. Oh, hello, Blackie. Come in. Remember Joe, our foreman, don't you? Sure. How are you? Nice to see you. Have you found out anything yet, Blackie? Nothing that tells me why an empty truck should be hijacked. But I did find Billy Johnson, the dead driver's rider. But he couldn't talk. Why not, Blackie? He was dead, Joe. Oh, dead? What? Yes, I found him in his shack, shot to death. This is terrible. Come in. Mr. Green, I'd like... I didn't know you had company. Well, Mrs. Crane, the girl who insists she doesn't know me. You know this young lady, Blackie? Yes, but only to be ignored by her. I know, too, Mr. Green. She's Mark Crane's wife. And I think she's just in time to hear some interesting news, too. News? Well, it's going to make news one of these days. I have a clue to your husband's killer, Mrs. Green. A clue? What is it? You sure, Blackie? Positive. As soon as I check on it, I think I'll be able to name the murderer. I'd like to look around your garage, Mr. Green. Mind? No, in fact, I'll show you around myself. 
Good, let's go. Right away. Oh, oh, Mrs. Crane, is there something I can do for you? Yes, I I came to see about the compensation papers my husband carried with your company. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh, Joe, will you take her down to the ground floor and look over those papers with her? Sure, I'll be glad to. Uh, fine. Uh, all right, Blackie, we look over my plan. Where do you want to start? In your garage to see if any of your empty trucks are loaded for murder. Well, it has to be, Blackie. We're one of the biggest hauling companies in the city. Yes, I know. But one more murder and the big green line may be in the red, huh? I'm afraid so. Any of the trucks loaded yet? No, they always leave here empty. I see. And the death truck was empty, too, when it left here, wasn't it? Oh, yes, yes. Uh-huh. Say, what's this here on the wall? A bulletin board? Yes, that's where the drivers get their pickup orders. See? Who posts these notices? Uh, Joe, my foreman. He's the dispatcher here, except on his day off. Then I post the orders myself. Then you're the one who rooted the truck driven by Mark Crane. Yes, I was. Uh, it was Joe's day off. Uh, but the order I posted was a reroute notice. A last-minute change from the order posted the day before. The truck skipped a stop where it was supposed to pick up a load, place called Cusps. Uh-huh. Look, Mr. Green, while you have a chance, why don't you tell me the truth about the dead driver? What do you mean, the truth? I mean you denied even knowing it, but I happen to know he's your nephew. Oh found that out, did you? Well, I wanted to keep it a secret. I thought if the other drivers knew it, it would be bad for their morale. You think your men didn't know it? Joe, your foreman, knew Mark's wife. I'm sure he knew who Mark was, too. Oh, I suppose it was foolish. Oh, dear, I forgot something. Hey, excuse me a minute. I'll have to run back upstairs to my office. Sure, go ahead. I'll look around your garage alone till you get back. All right. Holy mackerel. Jump I'm jumping as far as I can. Blackie, who tried to hit you with that truck? Mr. Green? Uh, Joe, the foreman. Linda Crane, Mary. I'll tell you this, though. The reason that truck was hijacked yesterday was because the murderer thought it was full. It didn't make a stop he thought it was going to make. I don't understand. Green told me he posted a reroute order for the truck that was hijacked. This is obviously what happened. The original orders were to pick up a load at a place called Cossie's. It's called that A. Then drive to B to reload the load. The truck was hijacked between A and B. Oh, I get it. The last-minute orders were for the truck not to stop at A. Yes, so it went straight from the garage to B, empty. But the hijacker thought it was carrying the load it was supposed to pick up at A. Yes, but who is the hijacker? I'll tell you that when I go to Faraday. Ah, can't I be the first to know? <laughs> nope. And I've got to get to Faraday and tell him about finding Billy Johnson's body. Come on, let's go down to headquarters and pick him up. So we can take him to the big green line trucking company to pick up a killer. <laughs> disappointment for you, Mr. Green. You're about to lose another of your employees. There's been more trouble, Blackie? No, but there's been enough. And to put a stop to it, I think you'd better hand your foreman here over to Inspector Faraday. What? What do the police want with me? Nothing much, Joe. Just your personal appearance in a death cell heading for that little green door. Death cell? What for? The murder of Mark Crane and Billy Jansen. 
Why, you're crazy. I think so, too, Blanky. I know, Faraday. You hope I'm wrong. Sorry to disappoint you, but I know I'm right. But, Blanky, this is impossible. Now, what could Joe gain by hijacking an empty truck? And he'd know it was empty. Know it better than anybody. Yeah. Mr. Green, Joe here was the only one in this company who knew the truck was filled. It was a last-minute change yesterday that kept it from stopping at Cossie's, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Well, Joe wasn't here yesterday when that last-minute change was made. That's right, he wasn't. What about that, Joe? I don't see what difference that makes. Makes a lot of difference to you. You made a mistake about that, Joe. But that isn't the only mistake you made. What do you mean? You're pretty stupid, Joe. You tried to kill me in the garage a little while ago, but I don't blame you for that. The really stupid thing you did was to leave your fingerprints on the door of that hijacked truck. Well, maybe I did, maybe I did, but I'm not taking any chances. I'm All right, I... Joe, don't move. Hey, look, wait. Go away, they're going to... I didn't mean I to... I know, you didn't mean to kill anybody. Come on, come on, you're going down to headquarters. Let go of me, Copper. Let, let go. Don't worry, Joe. Don't worry, he'll let you go. But the place where he's going to let you go is the place where they're going to let you have it. <laughs> Blackie, where are we going? I have to see our friend Madge at the rest of a while. To console her about the loss of her boyfriend, Billy Johnson? Oh, not exactly, Mary. But she gave me a tip as to where I could find him. I thought we might have a sandwich at her place and give her a little tip, too. All right, as long as it doesn't involve making a date with her. <laughs> Jealous? No. But her last boyfriend was murdered. I don't want you to be the next. Next murdered or next boyfriend? You know perfectly well what I mean. <laughs> um... Blackie, Mrs. Crane denied knowing you because she was afraid she'd be involved in the murder. Isn't that right? But did that foreman say why he killed Billy Johnson, too? The same old story, Mary. Johnson was in on the plan. That's why he didn't ride the truck the night of the murder. He knew the foreman killed Crane, so the foreman had to kill him, too. Well, you made sure the foreman was caught. In fact, I'd say you saw to it that he went from the big green line right through the little green door.
Busted Blackie, starring Richard Comer, and the answer to our question, Dorothy Kilgallen and Richard Comer, who was the actor that played Boston Blackie, were man and wife in real life. Dorothy Kilgallen, the reporter featured in our earlier episode of The Big Story, and Boston Blackie, Dick Calmer, the actor that played him, they were man and wife. So that's the answer to our trivia question. We assume that a lot of you got that. That's uh, common knowledge. I think it is, anyway. Anyway, I hope you had a lot of fun with those two episodes. I sure did. Well, it's time once again to wind down another edition of the Crystal Set for this time around. Hope you enjoyed the show.